give you for your precious presence here. Refreshing our hearts and just restoring our souls, Lord. Uh, Just that fresh oil of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We're just so grateful and thankful um, for your gift. Your gift of salvation. Your gift of love. Your gift of grace. Everything we would ever need, you have given us. And you continue to give us. And so, Father, we thank you and honor you tonight. Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the last week I'm talking about the spirit-formed life. I got it okay? I'm trying to get up higher. And uh, I want to go back over. I'm just going to just review. I'm just going to give you the titles because some of you weren't here for the whole thing. And so I've been doing it, it seems like a, a long time. But uh, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have. It's helped me. Um, and just reminded us, it's, to me it's basic things, things we know. But, you know, just because we know it doesn't mean we always do it, does it? So, you know, uh, it's good to be reminded. The Holy Spirit's a good reminder. And so it's, it's been a series that I've called The Spirit-Formed Life or Living the Spirit-Formed Life. And we've talked about ten uh, spiritual disciplines as we follow the Holy Spirit. And they help us. To hear God, they help us to walk with God, they help us to be sensitive and tender to the heart of God. And so I'm going to talk uh, just briefly, briefly uh, go over these ten um, principles of walking with God or, or, or disciplines, spiritual disciplines, uh, that help to sustain our spiritual lives because we have an enemy that wants to try to stop that. So we're going to talk about it, but I'm going to review what I've gone over, and then we're going to talk about a few other things as we close this subject tonight. But the first thing that we talked about was committing to hear God's voice. You know, you have to make a commitment to do that. Alan and I had some business today that uh, we, uh, it's been a long time. We've been working on this, asking God to help us, and, and you know, and through the process that we've been through, we've committed to hearing God's voice. Because, you know, we might have some good ideas. We might seek some counsel of people that know things. But we want to know what God says. And so that was the first discipline, spiritual discipline of living a spirit-formed life, was committing to hear God's voice, wanting to know, what does he say? You know, the Bible says that a man plans his way, but it's the, it's the uh, Lord's purposes that will stand. And that's what we want. And, you know, I don't know about y'all. I'm one of these people. I just, you know, I like to go from point A to point B. I realize God has uh, detours and things that go around sometimes. But if you're following God and he does them, that's great. But if you've got to go on detours and roundabout things because you're going and doing what you want to do, I don't like doing that. I just want to know what God has to say to begin with and then follow that. And, and so you have to commit to hear God's voice. You know, you may think you know, but commit to hear and say, I'm just not going to move on this till I know what you're saying. You know, he might give you a scripture that will confirm, I'm taking care of this, and this is the way it's going to, this is the way you should go. You know, uh, he'll just speak to you inside. Someone else may speak to you. So there's different ways that God speaks to us. Number two was living in the power of baptism. And what we talked about in that was, 
Our first baptism is we're baptized into Christ. When we are saved, he comes to live in us. We're immersed in him, and he comes to live in us. And then we're water baptized. The Bible tells us to be water baptized. So we're immersed in water to demonstrate outwardly what has happened on the inside of us. Again, it's steps of obedience. You can say, well, well, what, what's the need for that? I don't know, but God told us to do it, so why don't we just be obedient and respond and do what he asked us. But we talked about the benefits of water baptism. We talked about that obedience and taking those steps and what it opens to us. Um, in our lives and then the baptism of the holy spirit where the holy spirit empowers us acts 1 8 said but you shall receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and so we talked about that baptism and so living in the power of baptism that god has for us you know some of you may not have ever heard of the baptism of the holy spirit that was the case with me i had never heard of that but boy once i found out i had two sweet uh Friends in the Lord, and I tell you what, I want to know what did they have. I was saved, but they had something I didn't have, and it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad I asked that question that night because I was then baptized in the Holy Spirit that night because He gives us power. I tell you, it's it is just powerful and joy unspeakable. Full of glory. Number three that we talked about was celebrating the Lord's table. When we come for communion or when you uh, have communion in your home, it's not just a religious ritual. We talked about what it means and when we come and what we expect and why he laid this out. What, who do we do it in remembrance of? Remembrance of him and why? Remembering what he's done for us. And if there's something lacking, receiving afresh all that he's done for you, reminding yourself, no, God paid the price for that. Devil, you shut up. You know, the devil's always trying to condemn us or just make us feel less than. But you know, it reminds us the price that he paid and what he did for us. And we receive it afresh at the Lord's table. So when we come, we celebrate. We celebrate what he did and what he continues to do in and through us. And then number four was walking in the spirit of forgiveness. We talked about you know, when you're living and walking in the spirit-formed life, we have to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. And God gives us the grace to do that. He didn't say it was easy, but he shows us his life. Do you think uh, a person or two mistreated the Lord as he walked here on the earth? Yes, they, yes, they did, more than one or two. But what did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I know a lot of times, you know, maybe somebody does stuff on purpose, but sometimes they're doing things they don't even realize. That are hurting us. You know, I heard, I don't know if it was on Facebook. I don't Facebook, but Alan does. So I go, er, I do this on his phone. Wow, there's some good stuff people say. Now there's some not so good stuff. Uh, so we just slide on past that stuff. But uh, let me think how it said it. It said, don't, don't focus. Don't focus on what somebody did to you. But focus on what he has done for you. Now, don't focus on what somebody did to you. But focus on what he's done for you. And I tell you what, that will help you to walk in forgiveness. It'll, and you know what? It also remembers, helps you to, to remember that we don't always walk perfectly. And sometimes maybe we've hurt somebody's feelings. Or maybe we've done something that somebody's working through forgiveness for us, you know. So we shouldn't walk in that attitude of, well, they did it to me. But have we ever done something to someone? And, and sometimes we do and we don't even know it. But walking in the spirit of forgiveness it, it frees us continually. To me, it's like a continual washing. 
Just a continual a bath from the Holy Spirit. Washing off the junk that the enemy wants to try to pile up on our heads or in our spirits or in our hearts or in our souls or even in our physical body. He wants to just try to make us sick through unforgiveness. But, you know, we're not going to do that, are we? We're not going to get bitter. You know what? We're just going to walk with God. And, and we can't make everybody else walk with God. And we can't make everybody else be at peace with us. But the Bible says as far as it is with us, be at peace with them. So you can be sweet and kind. And if they're still sticking their tongue out at you, you know what? That is their problem. You just keep smiling saying, God bless you. The Bible said to pray for those that persecute you. You need to read the Bible. You'll find out God's ways. You find out how he likes to do things. It'll free you. It's the truth you know that frees you. It's that truth that we don't know that pulls us into bondage because the enemy gets in. The fifth thing was feeding on the word of God. Again, it's how we know the truth. It's how we know God's ways. It's how we know uh, the pathway of freedom and life and joy is feeding on the word of God. Number six, it just means reading your Bible, listening to good teachers. Feed on it. Feed on it. There's a psalm that says talks about feeding on the faithfulness of God. When you read the word, you're feeding on the faithfulness of God. And so when the enemy starts telling you, well, not this time. God's not going to come through this time. Feed on the faithfulness of God. And it goes on to say, and surely you'll be fed. So when you, when you read and feed on the word, you're feeding your spirit. You're building your faith. And when the enemy tries to come, you just put up that shield of faith and you quench every fiery dart of the evil one. The sixth one was maintaining integrity of heart. Maintaining integrity of heart. Walking in integrity. Walking in honesty. Telling the truth. You could say it that way. But in a heart of integrity before the Lord. You know, um, When you walk with God, there's things that maybe other people can get away with or do or, oh, well, they won't know. But you know what? If God knows, if he knows, it's important. Whether it's an attitude or something going on on the inside or just a criticism or whatever, you need to walk in integrity of heart and let God deal with those things. because So he can cleanse us continually of all the junk the enemy wants to put in us. Number seven is abiding in the fullness of the Spirit, walking in the fullness of the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your life and be the one that shows you the way. And walking in the fullness, in the baptism of the Spirit, and then in the gifts that He gives, walking in that fullness. You know, I realize a lot of people talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and um, some denominations are negative toward but you know what? It's in the Bible, and it's a gift that God's given us. And I'm sorry that the enemy has, you know, turned it into something that is untrue. You know, that, you know, I just think when you see in the Bible and God's given it to us, why not receive all that he has? You know, let him teach you. If someone's teaching you uh, different than what the Bible says, then you just probably need to find a different person to listen to. If it's contradicting what you see that the Word says, you need to find a different person to listen to. The Bible says, take heed, pay attention, take heed, lest your light be darkness. It's coming toward you like it's light from the Word. But at times, 
people can turn and begin to tell you things that they don't even know. Like if they talk against it, they don't know because they've never experienced. So they've heard things, but they don't even know. So you need to just listen to God. Number eight, living a life of submission. God's called us to submit ourselves one to another. He also has a way of doing things. Uh, in the church, there's church government, the way that he sets up uh, authority in the church. Not just this church, but the church at large. God has a way. He has uh, authority set up in the government, the way things, um, policemen. God set policemen up. God set authorities up to govern, to protect us, to help us. God did that. We're to submit to that. In marriage, talking about submission, I won't go into all that, but y'all know. And it's not a lording over. We submit one to another, but there's an area in marriage where you're living with, submitted to God. First off, you submit to God, then you submit to one another. But we talk about the the man being the head of the household. And he's loving you like Christ loved the church. So, you know, things come up. Y'all pray about it together. You can't have a two-headed monster. You have to have one head, and it's the man. And God has ordained that. You know, if he makes a mistake, do you know what? Your part's to pray and to ask God to help him and to show him. But you know what? You know, I say this. When it is in God's divine order, when when marriage is in God's order, you're both submitted to God. You're both doing what God wants. You're following God together. And it's not this hard thing, you know, because I know some people, and boy, I remember when I first started walking with the Lord, I, that word submission, I thought, oh, my gosh, what does that mean? And I realized people can teach it to mean like this lording over thing. But read it in context. Read the Bible in context. And it's a couple submitted to God. And so, anyway, so submission is many areas of our life. In our jobs. There's, we have to live in submission in our jobs. There are authorities. There are over us. The ninth one we talked about was practicing solitude, coming away, finding a place where you can be alone with God. It doesn't have to be for hours on end, but just where you can come away. It might be in the bathroom. I talked about um, uh, Susanna Wesley, John Wesley's and Charles Wesley's mother. She had like 12 kids, and she would just put her apron over her head. In the kitchen, and she would have her solitude, her time. And those kids knew Mama's aprons on her head. They didn't bother her. She had her time with God. Poor woman. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Um, so practice solitude. You say, well, I can't. Well, I bet, well, Irene would have had 12. You know, I mean, you have 11. We always say 11. You have 11, right? Irene back there. So, but she could find place of solitude. You can, too. You don't have 11 kids. I know you don't. And then last one was living as a worshiper, that we worship God. We're thankful. we are just turned our hearts toward him and just everything that comes, Lord, I worship you in the midst of this. Doesn't mean you, everything that's coming is that, that you're happy about it. But you say, Lord, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to worship you. And so cultivating and practicing these ten things that I talked about, these are all spiritual disciplines. They're beneficial To our walk with God. They advance us in our walk with God. But no discipline. Even though I've I've 
told you these. I've taught these to you. And I encourage you to live them out by the grace of God. But no discipline's ever going to substitute for our just being his. These, living in these disciplines doesn't make your life perfect. It does great things for you and it benefits you in a lot of ways. But it doesn't mean the enemy won't ever come and attack. It doesn't mean that won't happen. And bottom line, we belong to him. Our spiritual life is one of simple moment-to-moment dependence on Jesus. But all the things that I read to you, the ten disciplines, help you to moment-by-moment be dependent on him and be connected. The Bible talks about it, abiding in him. And those ten things that I read you help you to abide in him. And so, it's dependence on Jesus. So tonight, as we finish it, I want to talk to you about something. Because I can remember in my life, when these things happened to me, I thought, what's wrong with me? And so, and some of y'all probably all know that this happens and you all knew what to do. But there might be somebody in here that doesn't know. So I'm just going to talk about it. And uh, I want to talk about times of travail. I want to talk about times that are dry in between seasons of the soul because they happen to even the most uh, spiritually mature of us. You can have dry seasons. You can have times of travail. And we're just going to talk about different reasons or different things that can happen to us that can cause this. And I just want you to be aware so that you won't think something's wrong with you or you won't think, you know, I used to think, oh, I'm not saved. I can't feel God. You know, you're not always going to feel God. It's a walk of faith. But there's times when things happen that, you know, you just feel like he's so far away. He's not. He's right in us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But we're attacked by the enemy on our souls. And many people think that when you lead a spiritually disciplined life, that struggles or trials or dry seasons become things of the past or that they will never come. But that's not true. They come and they do happen. And I want to talk about it because when it happens, it's easy to become discouraged or confused or perplexed and feel like that something's wrong with you. And then you might begin to despair to just, like I said, I would doubt my salvation. And so you just need to know some of these things. And we're going to look at some things that, that can happen in our lives that can kind of open us to it. But also, we've talked about things that keep us close to God. And the more you know, I believe the less it happens and the less opportunity it has to happen. You know, in that environment, when those things happen, we become vulnerable to self-condemnation to failure, to bondage, or to affliction. When the enemy is attacking us this way, we just kind of can turn in on ourselves. I do. I usually, that's the first thing I do is turn in on myself. not saying it's right. It's just how I I just kind of start coping in that until I get my spiritual footing with the help of the Lord and begin to step up out of it. Sometimes things are happening and you don't even recognize it. You just think it's you or you just think it's a bad day, but then it progresses and progresses and we're not recognizing. So we need to recognize so we can take action. And recognizing how it happens can help us deal with it when it comes. So we're going to look at eight reasons why and how dryness of the soul comes. And by dryness, you know, um, 
I don't know, I guess different. we would maybe have uh, different definitions. I don't really have a definitive definition, but I would just say dryness where you just are not um, spiritually hungry or you just, just feel just you're not really fellowshipping with the Lord. Maybe you've been busy or you're just, you haven't really been, you know, allowing God to feed you and you just kind of become dry. You know, I thought about it this way. You know, we have spirits, and we are to feed ourselves spiritually. Yes. We're to allow God to feed us. And we need spiritual food for strong spiritual lives. And I just thought about if we didn't eat for days on end, I mean, how strong physically would we be? It's physical food that, that sustains our physical bodies, food and water. And if we just weren't drinking for a week or two or three or four, I mean, I mean, just how physically strong would you be? How up on top of it, would you feel? You know, you'd be dragging. Yeah. Well, do you know what happens to us spiritually? Yeah. It does. And it doesn't mean you don't have faith. I'm just telling you, these things can happen, and these are some reasons and ways that it kind of happens. Um, the first one I'll talk about briefly is when you have, you know, just a long season of demanding duties, our duty, and you don't have a reprieve from it. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, oh, yeah, hands are up. I know. You know, it's just no reprieve from sustained seasons of demanding duty. You know, uh, maybe like a, a new mother <laughs> and a, a new mother that works outside the home. You know, I'm going to tell you, that's a trip. You know, you work. And you're up all night with a new baby. That is a demanding duty. That it, it, you get a reprieve eventually, but until you do, you're wondering if you're going to make it. I can remember my mother telling me, Kim, it won't be this way always. Do you know what those words put me over? I wasn't saved at the time. Two of my children were first born. And I'm telling you what, those words just pushed me through because I thought, I can't do this, you know. But God. You know, when there's been no reprieve from, all, from demanding duty, long periods of time, anybody is likely to dry out. You know, you're just performing that duty. You're not feeding yourself. You're just spiritually, barely feeding yourself physically. And you're just in that. Anybody's likely to dry out. But it doesn't mean you're unspiritual. It doesn't mean you don't love God. But that dryness needs to be attended to. You're going, yeah, I know God. I'll make time sometime. And you just stop it. When you're putting food in your mouth, just open the Bible and let him minister to you. Open a psalm. And you need to recognize and let God open your eyes to show you what's happening and to heal you and to make things better. You know, businessmen, you know, they just have duties. And you probably have multiple things. Maybe you're, you're part of different things. You're, you have a business or you work for someone and then you've got family and the kids have school activities. And you're just going and going and going. And, you know, I can dry you out. Spiritually dry you out. Because you don't take time to allow God to water you. So I don't say it to condemn us. I say it to recognize it. And when it's happening, don't just keep ignoring the voices saying, come away. Come over here for a minute. Come here and just let me hug on you and talk to you for a minute. 
He doesn't ever condemn us. He doesn't ever say, well, I'm not going to talk to you or not talk to you. God's not like us, okay? He's not like us. He's God. He's good all the time. And he's good to you all the time. He wants to help us. Number two, um, a tireless assault of unrelenting temptation. It could be a temptation to do bad things. It could be a temptation or harmful things or addictive things. It could be a temptation to just give in to the barrage of the enemy's lies and just give in to a spirit of fear. You know, maybe, maybe you're struggling with spirit of, uh, of, of just fear of failure. And the enemy just barrages you. You know, maybe God's having you step out in something. Or maybe it's something new in your job going on. And, and the enemy's just barraging you with a fear of failure. And that temptation is just continually there. Um, it's just unrelenting. The enemy doesn't give up. And that, as it goes on and on and on, him bombarding our minds with those tormenting thoughts. It can be very draining. And especially if we don't stop and shove that shield of faith right in his face and all those fiery darts and say, enough. I'm not listening to this. And put that helmet of salvation on your head and say, this is what God says about me. And I may not know how I'm going to get through this or how it's going to happen, but God will show me and help me. You've got to allow God to do that because it just drains you. Don't just let the enemy keep on with that. Or maybe he's just trying to tempt you to do something. Oh, come on. Oh, just one time. Just one time. Oh, come on. Don't, it won't hurt you. Just one time. One time leads to another time, to another, to bondage, to the quicksand of the enemy. And it's not that God can't deliver you out, but let's just stay out instead of having to get delivered out. You know? I'm not saying we do it perfect, but I tell you what, just recognize where it's coming from. Especially when you're drained and you're tired. Oh, the enemy's going to lay out a plan for you to try to get you to just take easy street. But it's a lie. It's bondage street is what it is. So the enemy tries to drain us that way. But you know what? The Lord will help us to resist the enemy and endure through the attacks. To the place of victory that God has for us. Because the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. You've got to put your resistor on. But you've got to feed yourself to have the spiritual strength to do it. If we're not feeding and allowing God to do that, just like physically, you haven't eaten in two weeks and somebody tells you to run a mile, that's going to be hard, isn't it? I could crawl a mile. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Number three. When personal tragedy or reversal, bad things happen and come to our lives. Bewilderment over that, over personal tragedy or reversal. Our minds ask questions when those things happen. When something's upsetting or tragic or overwhelming has happened. And it just seems like the blessing of the Lord is far from us. It's not. The Bible says he daily loads us with benefits. And you know, whether you can see them or not, just say, Father, I thank you. You're daily loading me today with benefits, no matter what it looks like. But when tragedies happen, the enemy takes that opportunity to attack us and just try to pull us under. And it's easy to conclude that maybe these things happen because there's something wrong between with us or maybe there's something wrong between God and us or maybe if I'd have that or maybe if I'd have done this or that. But that's just the lies and accusations of the enemy. 
shut that voice down and go to God and say, Lord, I ask you to help me through this. I know you didn't do this and I didn't do this. And it's not what I had planned, but God, you've got a good plan. And you said that you will make all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. You know, you just got to take hold of his words and make it your spiritual food so he'll bring you through and bring you over. The enemy loves to steal from us and then accuse us as though we were the ones that were guilty for creating the environment of the hateful invasion that he brought. He brings it, then he accuses us in the midst of it. Throw it back on him. But going through those times can dry us out and weary us. But that's the times to go to God. And you know what? You may not go right immediately, but the moment you recognize it, go. We need to learn to give to the Lord any personal disappointments. Don't just carry them. God knows you're disappointed. He knows you're hurt. He knows you're struggling. He knows. Don't try to be brave. Give it to God. Tell him, this hurts me. I don't even can't even see how I'm going to make it, but I know because of you I will. And, you know, give him, though, your personal disappointments, any crushing sense of failure. You have a reversal. Things happen financially. Your jobs, your business, I don't know. Give it to him. Anything which has caused us the dryness, or give it to him. Or any condemning questions from the enemy that come in these times, give it to God. Bring it to him. My spiritual mother, Wanda, would always say, Kim, you just got to take it to the Lord. You have to take it to the Lord. We hold it a lot of times and we don't take it to the Lord. And I know that sounds so simple, but you will find how much junk you've been holding on to, carrying around, got it in your backpack, and you didn't even realize it till you begin to take it to the Lord and he begins to heal and make you whole. The fourth thing is attempting too long to be strong without help, without partnership. Going to do it on your own. Sounds noble. I'm going to get through this. And you know what? There are things that we do that God just gives us the grace, the strength, and we just walk on. But there's times when we're trying to be noble or walk through it, and we need to reach out for help. We need to reach out for prayer. We need to reach out for partners in prayer to help us or somebody to help us carry the load. We think, well, I don't want to bother anybody with my problems. We think we're being noble in doing that. But God wants us to reach out and allow others to help us. Because if you attempt to try to be strong too long without any help from anybody else, you're destined for spiritual dryness. You're going to wear out because God intended for someone, first of all, him and then others. That's why he gives us the body so we can help each other. Galatians 6.2 says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word for burden here in the Greek is the word for overload. Take your overloads to God and to others to help you. Whenever you're on overload, you need to say so. You need to let people know. You need to ask people to pray for you and partner with you for a breakthrough. You need to ask for help when you're overburdened and overloaded. And you know what? When you do that, you'll experience amazing turnaround from spiritual dryness. God will help you and you'll just think, wow, I feel so much better. Number five. When you come under attacks of antagonism or 
hostility, someone's being hostile toward you, or criticisms. You know, sometimes there's people in, at your workplace, people in the church, people in your family who are quick to pass judgment, to criticize, um, to complain. And you know what? All of that can bake a soul. It can bake a soul dry. <laughs> All that complaining and that hostility, I'm going to tell you what, it, it can bake you dry. And if you're not careful then, you'll let bitterness in. And that, I tell you what, bitterness will finish it. It'll burn it up. When you go through these attacks, it's easy to become bitter. But you have to resist and look for God's grace in the midst of it. And let forgiveness flow because it will water your soul in the midst of those attacks when people are being critical. I remind you, the Lord said... He said to pray for those that despitefully use you. Pray for those that persecute you. To pray for them. I know that's God's way. Hey, but it frees us from bondage. Number six. When we do things for ourselves at a sensory level, you know, our senses, rather than a spiritual level. And it's not that you can't do things at a sensory level, but if that's all you do, it's not going to benefit like you, like doing things for yourself at the spiritual level. When you're tired, you know, and you want a day of relaxation and, and you know, you just think, I'm just going to go to the beach and I'm just going to lay out there and I'm just going to relax and I'm not going to think about anything. That's good. That's relaxing physically. But if you don't, Um, allow God to minister to you spiritually, it will only take you so far. It'll do things for you physically, but your soul will still be dry because you're not allowing God to minister to your spiritual needs. You're not getting in on the rest of God. Both the spiritual and physical dimensions need rest, and we can only find rest ultimately in God. It's futile to try to recover at physical and emotional levels of our lives if we neglect the spiritual dimension of our lives. A lot of people try to feed, oh, well, I'm going to get this and I'm going to buy that. I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And they're trying to fix it in the sensory dimension only. That's what the world does. But we have to allow God to minister to us in the spiritual level for us to be whole. We need to remember our need for God and for relationship with him because he's the fountain that answers to our dry times and our times of weariness. Number seven, when you experience doubts, but you don't bring them to Jesus. And we all have doubts about different things. We've all experienced and do experience doubts, but you need to bring them to Jesus, not let the enemy get a foothold. You might have times when prayers seem unanswered. Sometimes there's a long time before your prayers are answered. You know, it's seed, time, and harvest. You you plant those seeds in prayer, but there's time, and then the harvest comes. The Bible says don't get weary in well-doing because you'll reap If you faint not, but the enemy tries to wear us out and he tries to get us to faint and he tries to get us to give up when the answers haven't come and the problems haven't been solved. Or maybe you had a promise for God from God or a prophecy, but it hadn't been fulfilled yet. The enemy wants to start in. I say, well, look, you may as well get up. This hadn't happened and that hadn't happened. You need to take your doubts to God and reaffirm 
your trust and belief in him and that no matter what day it comes, you're believing and trusting him that he will bring it to pass. And you know what? He will. He will. He does. Don't allow yourself to wallow in doubt. Renounce it by taking every question to the Lord. You know, I call it getting real with God. He knows what you're thinking. Get real with him and just tell him, I I don't like this. I don't understand this. Seems like you're not answering. Are you working on this? Have you been busy? (laughs) I don't know. But talk to him. Get real. You know, you might not um, find an instant answer, but you will find refreshing to your soul in his presence. It's impossible to remain dry for long, however doubt-ridden. When we choose to abide in the presence of God, because from him springs that living water, and that's where we have to go. The eighth and the last one is when we neglect basic disciplines of spiritual sustenance. You know, that's what we talked about, those ten things. They bring spiritual sustenance to us, reading the word, being a worshiper. Causing ourselves to listen for God and for his voice. There's so, I'm not going to go over all ten again. But those are things that sustain us spiritually. And when we neglect those, dryness can come. Or when we know that God has spoken to us by the Holy Spirit and we just totally disregard it. And we walk in disobedience to what God has told us. Dryness will come. Bottom line, we'll go dry if we don't pray, if we don't stay in fellowship with God, if we don't drink the water of the word, we'll go dry. If we don't praise and lift our voices to God and take our burdens to him, we'll go dry. And spiritual dryness is generated if we consciously pursue paths of neglect or disobedience. It's just the truth. If you've walked with God very long, you know it's the truth. Doesn't mean you're bad, doesn't mean you're not saved, doesn't mean you don't love God. It just means stuff happens and it comes your way and you neglect things. It's just like you see people that eat junk food all the time, of which I am one sometimes. Uh, you know, they're neglecting doing things and there's a price that you pay if you do it long enough. Ultimately, there's things that will happen in your body. If you neglect to do healthy things and to bring a sustenance to your physical body, and it's the same with us spiritually. You don't lose your salvation. It's not that. But this this life that God has, this uh, radiant life, as Alan calls it, this life of joy and peace becomes dry and you crawl through it trying to make it because you're not allowing God to sustain you. That's what happens. Times of travail come to every believer. They weary the body. Times of travail do. They dry the soul. They challenge the spirit. They exhaust the emotions. They cause doubts in the mind. And they produce despair in the heart. But when this happens, and sometimes it's a process. It's not all at once. It's just here a little, there a little. It can touch areas of our life in such a way that it seems like even God's presence isn't there. But that's a lie of the enemy. And when that happens, don't think you're the only one that this has ever happened to. And don't accept the devil's accusations, the liar. But turn to the fountain of living water, Jesus. John 7.37 says, All you 
thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Verse 38 says, Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being. And Revelation 22:17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It is free to you to drink of at any time, day or night, any moment. We're invited to drink by the one who himself is the fountain of living water. Isaiah 55 verses 1 through 3 says, Wait and listen, everyone who is thirsty. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come by priceless spiritual wine and milk without money and without price, simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. There's a surrender to it that accepts the blessing. Verse 2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? Hearken diligently to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in the fatness, the profuseness of spiritual joy. Verse 3 of Isaiah 55. Incline your ear. Submit and consent to the divine will. And come to me. Hear and your soul will revive. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercy, kindness, goodwill, and compassion that was promised to David is yours. You just surrender. You just come. So let's remember to stay hydrated. You know how they tell you that? Stay hydrated. I'm going to tell you, stay hydrated. And the enemy will have a hard time drying you out. Amen. Father, we thank you. We say we're thirsty. We say we come, Lord, to drink of you. To just allow you. And that Father, some in here tonight may be dry and thirsty. Maybe today just dried us out because it was hot physically. We're busy going from here to there and trying to meet needs and just do what's required. But God, we ask you to hydrate us. You are the fountain of living water and we drink from you right now. We just drink you in. We just drink you in and we say thank you. We are refreshed in your presence and by your beautiful living water that never runs dry. We thank you in Jesus.